0: Hello, and welcome to episode 135 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is March 11th, 2019. I am Rollo McFlugel, and with me is Slappy Jones 2, and we are both from McFlugel.com. Show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 135, where you will be able to find links to the things we talk about, as well as a way to check out our sponsor, libertymugs.com, where you can buy awesome libertarian-themed mugs and t-shirts to shock and thrill all of your friends and coworkers and acquaintances. So, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Slappy and he's going to introduce our episode topic.
1: Thanks, Rallo. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about, well, I guess one of the issues that one of the many Democrat candidates for president in 2020 are talking about, uh, and that's Andrew Yang's gun control. Policy, I guess I don't know what the correct term is, but he's he's tweeted about it, and he's got what? How many points? Eight points or eight things he wants to do? Because um, he has all the answers. He knows how to make us safer. And uh, some of his, I'll read a couple of them here, uh, which are interesting, I guess. He says he says we should treat owning a gun the same way we do driving a car. You take a test, you get a license, you lose your license if you do something suspect, like beating your wife or getting flagged for criminality or mental illness. You lose your driver's license for DUI, same thing. He says we should raise the legal age of gun ownership to 21. Uh, We should curb the ownership of assault weapons and weapons that can incur mass casualties quickly. There's no practical reason for a citizen to have a military grade weapon. Uh, Fourth, we should institute a system of fines anytime a firearm gets used in a mass shooting on the gun manufacturer. Fifth, we should offer to buy back guns and offer free upgrades to a signature gun so that only the owner can fire it. Sixth, we should start an ammunition registry where, if someone buys an unusually large amount of ammunition, it raises a level of scrutiny. Seventh, we need to invest our underdeveloped mental health infrastructure. Uh, eighth, we should start a helpline that people can call if they suspect someone of being potentially violent shooter in the making. That sounds like a good idea. Um, <laughs> well, so, we,
0: we can actually talk about that.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, those are his eight points. Um, I have, you know, I'm sure he's sincere. And I mean, who knows? Uh, but, he, you know. There's been mass shootings, and this is the way he wants to solve it. Um, if you've listened to our show before, you probably know we disagree with him, which is fine, and it's fine to make fun of him and laugh at him. But uh Rallo, how could this be solved in a free market?
0: Well, I do want to talk about some of the points first that he made, like the last one about the the kind of the mental health hop help want, or the the helpline to call if they suspect someone of being a potentially violent shooter in the making. I mean, they do that already. It's like, you can call up and, and do wellness checks. And I forget, I forget which state it was in, but there was a thing where a guy, someone called up to have a wellness check on, done on someone because he had gotten to an argument with a family member or something. And part of this wellness check was taking the guy's guns. Right. <laughs> of course, the guy said, uh, no, Thanks. You're not taking my guns, and they got, and he ended up dead because the police killed him after because uh, they're not very well equipped to handle these situations. So, you know, they they've already done that, and it's already ended with at least one innocent man dead. And after all of this happened, and they were talking to the rest of his this guy's family members, you know, it turned out that it was just like. At Thanksgiving or something, there was there was some sort of argument among some family members. And it was to call the police to do some sort of wellness check was was an absolute joke. Yeah. I mean, uh,
1: I wouldn't call them to check on my relatives.
0: Um, Right. Right. But
1: but I I, I imagine and I remember this story. I don't remember. I'm sure it wasn't done. You know, who knows? Who knows why they called? Uh, Maybe they were scared. Maybe they thought the guy was going to do something. They called who they thought was their security force and their security force killed them. So, or yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we also have an issue with something called SWATting. Yeah. Where you can make an anonymous call and the SWAT team will raid your house. Um, usually done as a prank, <laughs> not a funny prank. Yeah. But it just shows you the, the, how, I don't know, over the top they are. You can raid a house on an anonymous tip on a phone call. It's pretty insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're, <laughs> you know, we we can talk about, we should use the government to do these sorts of things. Well, that's already how, how it's built up and it's already done and it's already shown to be an absolute failure. The other thing before we get into how a private markets or – um you know, free society would deal with these problems. Is the idea because I've this isn't the first time that someone has tried to compare gun ownership uh, licensing with driver's licensing. There was a maybe a year or two ago, maybe even longer than that. This guy, the amazing atheist, who's some yeah. YouTube personality, you know, decided to to make a video talking about how. How reasonable and straightforward, and I, you know, I can't believe that we haven't done it this way. That we should just regulate guns like we regulate cars, and and have people, you know, if you want to be able to drive a car, then you should uh have to get a a license through the state. And on the surface, that might sound like uh not a terrible idea, but uh, what's it like? Forty thousand people a year die on the road, on government roads. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and what's kind of funny on top of that, I don't know why everyone like trusts government licensing with cars so much. I mean, when you're what, 15 or 16, you get a permit, you drive, you don't have to take courses. The way you learn is by doing it and then you pass a little test they give you and there's never any it's not like it, it's not like they're ensuring that there's good drivers on the road. I mean, you take a test when you're 16 and that's it. Right. Not, and that, also, not that i'm saying we they should do more my point right. is there's mostly good drivers out there and you really just kind of learn by doing it
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then and then you have these problems with what happens when you start getting old and you don't have your reflexes you know you're more likely to just like fall asleep behind right. the wheel you're you know just a lot of things a lot of things that happens when you're an old person that makes you not a good driver and there's a catch 22 because uh, one thing is we, we could say pretty reasonably, I think any reasonable person would acknowledge this, that, you know, a really, really old person is not someone you really want driving a car for various not reasons. Well, most of the time. generally. I mean, we yeah, can say generally that generally speaking. there's, there's always exceptions. I mean, just like you can have a, a you know, a healthy 35 year old person. Also, you don't want Forever. on the road. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, the state can't restrict those licenses from those people because that they're practicing. That would be discrimination and they have to hold everyone, uh, equal under the law. And so, you know what do you do do you try to keep the road safe or and violate someone's rights or do you violate or i mean um
1: yeah i don't know that, that's can,
0: part of the problem
1: and, get their license taken from them i don't know but like if you have alzheimers i imagine they take your license i don't know that yeah but
0: yeah I but that know. i mean that's a little bit different that's like a, a die not not based on an age is what right you're right yeah so, I mean that that's a legitimate. If if you're trying to operate under the laws that the state confines itself to, and you don't even have to be a crazy libertarian to uh, point out the ageism thing, that's something I think that a that a normal person would 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 point out. They say, well, that's age discrimination, and it's it's not an easy problem for the state to solve because it it can't solve it. It's a catch twenty two. It's like so many other things. That if they want to do the right thing, they have to violate their own laws, and that's not to say that um, the it's it's weird because it's not. I don't think the market would just say, "Oh, if you reach a certain age, you're not allowed to drive anymore." Uh, I think it would be there would be better better things for that. But let's let's start getting into it because you already mentioned about insurance. You kind of briefly uh, said that word, and I think that's kind of going to be one of the big drivers behind this and i, I almost was going to talk about uh uh how that how the how a stateless society would handle people driving on the road i, I already forgot that we were talking about guns but yeah uh,
1: guns guns
0: but uh yeah so do you think that without government that we would live in a society where like literally anyone could get literally any weapon that they wanted
1: Um, and it would just
0: be, and it would just be that crazy guy who always talks about, uh, how or the guy that's just really unsafe and you wouldn't trust him to uh, tie your shoes for you. Do you think he would have really like he, without, without any, uh, sort of negative consequences to him that he would just be able to, to run around getting whatever guns he wants. Like he would be able to, you know, have a, uh, I don't know. I don't know. A bunch, of, a bunch of automatic weapons.
1: I mean, probably not. Um, you know, I say that, but maybe. Right. You know, I don't know. There's black markets. There's. Uh,
0: right. Well, there's black markets all now. Kinds of things. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah.
1: you know, is there any regulation that will stop someone? Probably not, but there's probably better ways to handle it than what we do. Right.
0: Right. So how do you think that we would – or how do you think that these uh, that these things would come about, that there would be ways to keep people – because I think there is an argument to be said that not – that we we certainly don't want to uh, restrict anyone's rights. Right. Or property rights. So how do you think that a, a, f- a free society would be able to maybe try to disincentivize or keep guns out of the hands of bad people that are going to – Uh, more likely to use them in bad ways or even, even, you know, like, like you just said that a bad guy who wants to shoot a bunch of people, it's going to be difficult to, uh, to keep him from, from From getting the gun. But you know, there's ways to, but, but how about, because we can, we look at a lot of some of these shootings that have happened and they're not always, a lot of them are kids. Like teenagers that get their hands on their parents' guns. So, how do you think that that if let's talk about this 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 angle, how do you think that a uh, a free society would be able to handle that situation better, that to making sure that people uh, secure their guns better from their from kids that might uh, behave poorly?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about. Um Maybe it was our episode that you just mentioned prisons in a free society. hmm. Right. So I th- and like we've said many times, I think insurance is going to play a much bigger role, although it already does play a big role in society. It'll play a much bigger role in a free market. And one of the things, whether it's through your homeowners or renters insurance or a personal liability policy that we have talked about before, they're going to judge the risk of the person and they may even have they may even have an inventory of the guns you have maybe you register them maybe if you're you know have a history of being a collector that's one thing but if you if you're committing a lot of crime which on that note with the crime another thing that uh, and I, i guess this this guy specifically talking about these mass shootings um and he mentions mental health but crime would go way down in a free society just on the fact that things that aren't crimes would no longer be crimes. So, you know, a lot of the gun violence happens in the drug trade. Well, if drugs are legal, um, people can legitimately do business, and uh, that takes care of a lot of the violence uh, surrounding the drug trade. But I guess specifically this guy's talking about mass shootings.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's let's just use an example that... Someone who's got some guns and his his kid is has some problems and the kid grabs the guns and takes him out and goes and shoots up a bunch of people because that that has happened. Yeah. So how would I mean, I can I can kind of give what I think how it would be dealt with. Sure.
1: I mean, I, I think there's liability on the parents end. Right. Uh, so, which yeah. covers by insurance as we've talked about in the past. And so if you have a kid who's has all these mental health issues, um, it's going to come with a higher premium to have these guns,
0: but how do they figure that out? How do they know that you've got a kid with, uh, with those problems or even that you have guns in your house because you can, well, you um, could
1: always lie. Then you're not right. covered for it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of this is like insurance fraud anywhere else. If you lie about something, they're not going to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose of getting insurance is to transfer risk. So, you know, if you're concerned about that risk, uh, you should probably be upfront and honest about it so that they'll cover it and underwrite it properly. Right. Um, yeah. How would they know? Uh, let's, let's think through that a little bit. How do you think they would know?
0: Well, I don't think it's going to be much different than getting something like life or disability insurance, because when I know when I when I purchased that, uh, a nurse came to my house and kind of took my weight, took a blood sample and, uh, you know, had me answer some some questions and everything. And and on the surf, it's funny because people might when when you just say that, like, oh, someone's going to come and take your blood like, wow, that's really intrusive. Well. You know, no one's forcing me to take these these insurance policies out, so that's part of it. If they want to well, adequately, you know, uh, you know uh, determine I mean, let's say, risk.
1: yeah, let's say you're you're applying for a million dollars of life insurance, well, that company's on the hook for a million dollars if you pass away. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure they know what they're insuring. Mm -hmm. They don't want to insure someone who knows they're going to die in two days or a week or a month or six months uh, because that's no longer a transfer of risk. It's already there. You know it's happening. It's not an an unknown. Um, So they they like to check things like that, uh, see what's in your blood, make sure you're healthy, that they're insuring a a healthy person. Right. Otherwise, the rates are higher and Mm -hmm. you can choose to accept it. So.
0: Right. And depending on where you, you're going off track a little bit, but this maybe it triggered an idea, but I mean, depending on your, your living situation, where you live, who you are, uh, having owning guns might actually lower your rates a little bit. Cause it, uh, because we even see it in, you know, you hear stories of someone, someone breaks into someone's house, a, a violent criminal and, and the criminal ends up getting shot by the homeowner, uh, in self-defense and the sheriff kind of goes to the, to the house where it happens and, and shakes the homeowner's hand and said, well, I'm happy that you, uh, you're able to defend yourself and, you know, deal with this bad guy. Right. Uh, so this whole idea that, and I think people kind of have to get this out of their heads, not necessarily. I don't think it really, the listeners of this podcast, but a lot of people have Mm -hmm. to get it out of their heads that like just guns equals bad. danger, Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's way, 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 way more guns, private guns, than there are people in this country. And if even a tiny, other than like an almost infinitesimally small number of uh, gun owners in this country were, were bad guys, then the, drumming, the amount of shootings right. would be way higher. Yeah, you it could be, have all
1: the laws you want. They're not stopping anything.
0: I mean, guns are pretty easy to conceal. So at any given moment, you have no idea who's carrying a gun around you. Uh, So just this idea that if you have a gun that you're, you're uh, of higher risk, Uh, I don't really, I don't really buy that necessarily. And, and like I said, it could, it could actually help lower your rates. But the
1: the gun owners I know are very like almost obsessive about safety.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You have to I mean, I mean you, you have to be, of course you,
1: you do. You never point, even if it's, you know, it's unloaded, you don't point that gun at someone.
0: Right. Right. Uh, but, uh, okay. So I know we're, I'm not even answering the original question I asked, but these, uh, these points are kind of popping my head. So before I lose them, uh, I want to go yeah, through them, them out. and I'm actually kind of forgetting the one I just wanted to say. Oh, that's right. So, One of the things, too, that what the state does, which I think is wrong, and it it violates its own rules, is that uh, you have to look at, like, a gun is just a piece of, it's just property. And I don't think it's that great of an idea. I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I don't think you want to act like a gun is some sort of super special property that has certain... uh, certain rules over other things um, in the sense that it, like I have as much of a right to own a gun as I do this pen I'm holding in my hands. And for the the government, the state to come and kind of pick and choose that, Oh, well only certain people are to have this certain property. Yeah. That that kind of gets, uh, yeah, messy. that could get messy. Right. And then you can just apply it to anything else and it starts, looking ridiculous like um you know you're only allowed to have certain kinds of cups or you're only allowed to have certain kinds of tractors uh you know that obviously is
1: make certain types of fruitcake
0: yes yes um well all fruitcake is good so there's only one type of fruitcake but um but it it starts looking absurd so i mean and I know guns are, are are things that are used to uh, you know to to obliterate things, but I mean almost anything could be used as a weapon. So,
1: including a fruitcake,
0: right? So if your insurance company somehow figured out that you had the tendency to use fruitcake in violent ways and commit crimes, then either your your premium is going to go up a lot. Or you're going to have to prove that you don't have access, immediate access to fruitcake in order to to commit these crimes. Or they'll just say that, hey, uh, anything fruitcake related, where you do something bad, we're not we're not covering you. They'll be building the contract because, like right. you said earlier, they're they're not going to take on that that high of a risk.
1: Right. I mean, you can't insure a burning house, is what they always say.
0: Right. So I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think you just apply these principles and, and to maybe to use an example that isn't so uh, maybe so ridiculous since fruitcake is is any is. I mean, it's pretty heavy. It's just well, it's just good and, and it can only be used for good things. Uh, let's take an example of of having a pool because that's something that homeowners insurance has to deal with right now. And having a a pool on your property probably does you know, raise your, uh, raise your, your risks overall, but, or your, your insurance, uh, premiums overall, but there, uh, there's a big difference between having a pool, um, and having, you know, gates and railings and other certain safety features to prevent, uh, you know, accidents from happening and just kind of having a pool. That's just maybe you have like an in-ground pool that you don't have any sort of, of gates and you've got, you know, a bunch of little kids in your house. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're at a much higher risk for something horrible happening. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, Or maybe, maybe even just with the, uh, the pool leaking, Yeah, maybe you have a, uh, maybe you want to build a pool and you've got a hill in the backyard. Maybe don't build the pool at the top of the hill so that if it breaks, all the water comes rushing down to your house. Uh, or maybe you build some sort of mitigation that if that did happen, then, uh, you, you wouldn't have a bigger disaster on your hands and you would just have a damaged pool that you have to take care of. These would be things that insurance companies would, would take into account. So applying this to gun ownership, if you're a person who owns guns, but also has kids in the house. Uh, well, the insurance company is probably going to want to make sure that you're securing the guns well. And if they can know and find out some way that you've got a kid with mental problems or maybe he's taking some sort of medication to handle something like depression or some sort of other, uh, mental issue that, I mean, that's a huge red flag for them to be like, well, well, let's, let's, uh, let's check into this a little bit more. Right. Um, I don't know that they would do random checks or anything. I mean, that happens with insurance with some sorts of insurance now with, uh, but you know, that's not the reaction might be well, someone can just barge into my house. Well, I mean, that would be part of your contract and uh, the way that you would uh, keep insurance companies from being abusive with it. If, if that term's even relevant, but Uh, Would be, you know, there's going to be competition here. So it's not just going to be one insurance company that you, that if you want insurance, you have to go with them. So you have to put up with whatever, you know, crazy rules they have that if you don't like the rules that this, this one insurance company has, then you can, you can go to a number of other ones. And so this idea that bad or dumb policies can drive customers away is going to keep insurance companies from instituting weird and bad policies that, that are turnoffs.
1: Yeah. Now part, part of just the concept of insurance is you're using large numbers and you get actuaries get pretty good with their claims experience. And so it's not like, like, yeah, you can go somewhere else, but it's not like, I mean, another policy might, or one company may refuse to insure gun owners and that's, that's what they could do. They'll miss out on, on the premium they could be earning from gun owners. Um, but the reality is if it's a measurable risk, so like every insurance company, every life insurance company has a good idea how many people are going to die at a certain age this year. They don't know which individuals it will be. And so they all use the same tables. And so they all you know, have different costs and different features of their policy that change things. So you know, when there's a measurable risk, it's going to be pretty standard across the board. And so if gun owners... You know, some things they could do or show that you're a safe gun owner is maybe you take certain courses or you're a member of certain organizations that require certain things, and that would bring down your premium. Um, Of course, depending on the insurance company if they want to put those things in. But there's certainly ways to show you're a safe gun owner. And maybe even if you did something with your family. Um, So if you have kids, maybe your kids have to get certain training each year to keep your premium down and that just shows you're part of that gun culture which we talked about earlier is a little obsessive
0: about safety which is a good thing are you aware of anything because you work in the insurance industry and i know we've talked about this before that insurance companies don't care about marijuana um it was, you know, how how's how are we going to handle marijuana ownership or not ownership marijuana <laughs> once it becomes once it becomes legal and they just like well yeah. we already have to deal with it and it doesn't it doesn't matter. Are are you aware of at least in the insurance that you work with that that gun ownership is matters much? Uh,
1: not with the insurance I work with. No, uh, okay. it doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt you. I'm um, in life, disability, long term care, and annuities. It doesn't really it won't raise your risk or decrease it. They don't underwrite for it. Um, so no.
0: Okay. I mean, and, and that's not to say that it wouldn't matter in other, like in more liability. It's also
1: not to say that it wouldn't matter in the future. Um, right
0: you know is data
1: you know big data is everywhere if there's an actuary who finds out hey we just found out that gun owners live on average 4 years longer than non gun owners it may make sense to lower the premiums or if it's vice versa gun owners live shorter uh, if they could find some trend that's reliable yeah that would get factored into the pricing
0: right yeah that makes sense yeah but um, yeah. However,
1: liability—I—I I, I don't work on the PNC side. Um, that could be—I certainly could be a factor in homeowners. I don't know. Um, it probably is. I don't remember. I don't when remember I- answering questions about it. But
0: yeah, I don't remember that either.
1: Yeah, but it could be, and there could be some carriers—carriers carriers being insurance companies—who have some research into that and maybe they like or don't like, or maybe they don't want to insure gun owners, or whatever the case is. Um, you know, that could be out there. I don't know that it is, um, but just throwing that. that
0: yeah. Right. And, and maybe this is, I wrote an article, I guess I think it was just about a year ago uh, because there's this kind of the meme that floats around the libertarian circles about, uh, you know, that you should be able to, own private nuclear, recreational nuclear weapons, and most people just say that as a joke or just to kind of drive drive an absurd point home. Yeah, uh, but I do think actually some people do kind of believe it that it would. That <laughs> it <laughs> but be. Uh,
1: that would be a very but, expensive weapon.
0: Exactly. Well, one, yeah, it would be expensive. I mean, I don't think that uh, your average person is going to be uh, buying a, an M1 Abrams tank or uh, or having a, a you know a jet fighter or Nuclear weapons are just like a bomb, or any sort of really heavy artillery. Uh, and and I wrote an article a while ago about this, about whether there would be, you know, recreational private nukes in Ankapistan. And basically, the answer is no, <laughs> because can you imagine? It's not very. I can't imagine
1: it's. Well, I, I can't imagine it would be profitable business.
0: Well, not only that, but but just can you imagine? Not even a, a nuclear bomb, but just a conventional bomb, storing it in your house like you would, no one would insure you. Yeah. And the only way they would insure you is if you took, you know, all these steps to, to be able to store it safely, at which point you're no longer within like recreational things because it would be so expensive to secure it. So that kind of insure that, that expense that the insurance company would basically require you to take uh, in order to have coverage is the security to prevent people who just want, uh, you know, this a lot of firepower like that just for, for the sake of it. Right. So it's just built into insurance markets that they're preventing, you know, people, even if you ignore the expense of, of just having a nuclear bomb, <laughs> you know, I don't think that would necessarily be that cheap. But even if, even if you don't factor that into it, even if they were, uh, even if you could buy one for 50 bucks uh, and you could have a, uh, a hydrogen bomb and put it under your, under your, well, under your bed. I mean, as soon as an insurance company finds out you have that, I mean, you, you've, you've lost coverage.
1: And the reality is if you could buy one for 50 bucks, it's probably not that challenging to make. Right. Um, I don't know. The economy is a scale in the nuclear bomb industry, but uh, I imagine we would have a, you know, we'd have other issues if you could make a nuclear bomb in your house. Then you could put all the laws you want, not stopping anyone.
0: Yeah. And it's just I don't know that even if everyone did have a nuclear bomb that they would like want to detonate it. <laughs>
1: I yeah, mean, I don't know. Why. I mean,
0: even, even all the bad guys, what's, there's like 20, something like 25,000 uh, nuclear warheads from the Soviet Union that are unaccounted for you think that they're like girl scouts and uh the Keebler elves are holding on to them
1: that's who you would sell them to
0: right Uh, they're probably not all the uh the nicest of characters but uh as far as i know no one has uh has detonated any of them yet so not to say that there's there's no worry about that it's certainly not a good thing but uh i think that there's you have to be uh uh is morally corrupt or brain dead as harry truman to uh
1: to, yeah don't to want to do that
0: detonate nuclear weapons so
1: right
0: uh but yeah I, I mean and and just to bring it back to just gun ownership i think there's 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 clearly nonviolent ways of 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 dealing with these issues um are ways that are, are actually economically productive for everyone as opposed to the state just with uh with bludgeons just making rules and saying, oh, no, we can't have this. We'll make these rules and and institute this, oh, if you buy too much ammunition, we're going to put you on a list. I mean, like, how much is... <laughs> that's that's the other thing. Like, where do you draw the line? Like, let's say that you're allowed to buy uh, a thousand rounds every week. Uh, so, if you buy a thousand rounds, you're, you're A-OK and you shouldn't be put on some list. But if you buy a thousand one rounds, oh, man... You've now been added to it. Yeah. Way.
1: Wherever the line is, it's going to be arbitrary.
0: Right. Um, and so it, it's just not a good, it's just a, a, a not a good way. Or you can just, I mean, uh, there's, there's a thousand ways to work around this, this stuff. So it, it's, yeah, it's really of- just chasing something that you're never going to be able to catch. So instead of trying to do that, how about we let the people that that that's the, that's the, Ultimately, the problem too is that the government doesn't actually have any skin in this game. The money, their money's not on the line. I mean, maybe you could make the case that oh, well, if uh, if it, if someplace, uh, some town has a couple of mass shootings, maybe the uh, the police chief gets fired or something, or they maybe they lose some. Well, he would think that they would lose funding, but in the reality, anytime that the government fails, it, it's just gets it's just Yeah people take that as a signal that we should give them more money and and give them more power. Um, but when you have, uh, the free market involved in trying to solve these problems, then it puts, it puts skin in the game of other people, people trying not to, uh, lose money and resources. So they're going to do what they can to make sure that their, their interests are protected and doing it in ways that that don't put their other interests and assets at risk, so they're not just going to bust down someone's door when they suspect that oh maybe this guy uh, might have some some mental issues that could make him maybe go over the edge a little bit. They're not just going to bust this door down and uh, guns ablazing and shoot this guy or get him hurt or damage his property because they're on they're going to be on the hook for it. And they also don't want to have their own uh, assets, including people and employees get shot and hurt and wounded because that comes out of their bottom line too. Whereas, I'm sorry, but, you know, Mr. Police Officer, you, you are an expendable asset to the government. Um, so there, there,
1: there's... there's I mean, there's just... So as I'm sitting here thinking through this, like without, without government, a lot of the problems that they're trying to address aren't going to be as severe as they are today. Um, as you know, government does something, then they do something to correct it, then they do something to correct it, then they do something to correct it because every time they do something they make it worse. Uh, even if they have the best of intentions. Um, we talked about crime going down without government. I think the mental health issues in society would be lower, if we didn't have compulsory schooling till whatever, what age is it? 16 that you have to be in school. Right. Um, I think that causes a lot of the problems. And um, John Taylor Gatto writes a lot about that, but we don't have to get into it other than that. um, Without the compulsory schooling, if kids are out learning the way human beings learned all through time up until, you know, the late 1800s, early, early 20th century, Uh, there'd be much less mental health issues, much, many fewer, fewer or less. What's the right one? Uh, I think fewer, fewer, fewer mental health issues in society uh, without compulsory schooling, without the way schooling has gone, where you sit a kid in a chair and tell them what to learn. And there's no, you know, you're learning for the sake of learning. There is no purpose. There is no goal. Uh, It's mind numbing and it makes people crazy for lack of a better word. Um, so I, I think a lot of these problems would just kind of cure themselves in a free market and talk about – and Yang mentions this in one of his points. He talks about the overprescribing of some of these drugs, um, whether it is or not, I don't know. Uh, I, t- I, I do think it's overprescribed, but I don't know. But without this system where you need a prescription, where there's interests in prescribing – Uh, If you could talk to a doctor and treat yourself the way, you know, obviously have some doctor's input or there's some research out there and be able to get what you need and what you want instead of a doctor saying you must take this for this many days and then come back and see me and get more Um, and people could kind of figure it out on their own and our culture grew around that. I think we'd be much better off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, these problems are all very complex and everything and, right. and and I think it goes back to even tying into the education thing. Another issue is, you know, so many broken homes, they don't have don't have good uh support good structure, system. right? Yeah. And support systems and, and and it all ties back to the to the sound money issue. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean it could it's fun, it's amazing
0: how we we kind of can go back to that for just
1: about everything.
0: Yep. And, and just to talk about the doctors a little bit with over prescribing, I know, you know, this is a, this is anecdotal, but you know, I went, was going to the doctors. I was like, I was getting headaches and I was suspicious that they were migraines. So I went to my physician and, and they, uh, said, Oh, okay. Yeah. You got headaches. So, uh, we're going to, uh, prescribe you, uh, amoxiclavin. I think it was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the medical field, but I know enough that like that doesn't really make sense to give someone that probably has migraines. And then I took that, didn't do anything, and then they gave me steroids to take and said, All right, we'll take these and then see what happens. That was, didn't work. Was and this they reported had
1: reported to your intermural league?
0: Yeah. That's true. Well maybe that's why I hit uh was able to <laughs> hit it. Maybe that's why I was able to hit it out of the infield that season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh and then they they finally sent me to get like a cat scan or something to just check to like make sure i didn't have a brain tumor or something. Then finally finally they say, "Oh, you should go to a neurologist." And so i go to the neurologist and he wasn't interested in having a conversation after i just like briefly explained what was going on. I said, "Yeah, you have migraines." So, "Uh, here. Here's this prescription to take take this stuff." Yeah. And it was just like, "Man, you know the first part of that was so bad because they were just giving me ran not random but <laughs> but almost random stuff to say like we'll see if it goes away by if you take these pills right and uh and then i finally get to the guy who's more qualified for it and he you know no interest in in trying to figure out what's triggering it he just goes to straight up uh, oh yeah here take this and, oh by the way a side effect is it you might feel like you're having a heart attack no oh, good. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and I did. It did have that side effect, so did it cure uh, the head? Uh it normally did. It it sometimes took a little bit, but um they've actually gone down a lot. I haven't I ran out of the uh refills a while ago and I haven't, haven't gone back to it? any cuz I I'm just part of me is I'm just fru- so frustrated with it cuz I've been to the doctor for another I I I don't like going to the doc. I'm just really stubborn. I'm really stubborn about I never it, so go.
1: It's not even like a, I just don't, don't go. I don't like yeah. it.
0: I had another recent experience with that where I was, uh, I, in January, I was sick for a while. Couldn't figure out what it was. It wasn't the cold. Didn't think it was the flu. So instead of trying to um, get a, a uh, an appointment with my doctor, which takes forever, I could go see a, a, phys- a physician assistant there, but they're not, not as thorough. So I went to an uh, urgent care facility nearby, and uh, man, it was it was absolutely brutal. Um, just yeah, I don't even want to get into it because it's yeah. just, just going to frustrate me. But it was the same kind of thing, like just complete what I would consider incompetence. Um, no, no real interest or ability. I don't want to say interest. No ability that was demonstrated that showed that they were capable of even, um, trying to, uh, solve the root root cause of anything. So, and not, and I don't mean to say that that's the entire medical field because I think, I think modern medicine has done wonders for, for humanity in the world. But, uh, I think a lot of the training that that's, doctors are getting generally is is just not it's just symptom fighting. And it's indicative. It's again, you can even kind of tie this back to sound money because it's I, I mean, no one's no one's really interested in trying to solve uh uh root causes. It's everything everything in the world just about I feel is just fighting symptoms. We're all it's it's just fighting symptoms, fighting symptoms, fighting symptoms, and then no one no one ever everyone wonders why. Nothing's actually uh, getting fixed because you're, you're not chasing the thing that's going to uh, solve your problem.
1: Yeah, and oh, just to add there because you just kind of – I don't want to trash all doctors. I think a, I think a lot of them care. I think a lot oh, of them get – Much like teachers get into the profession because they care and want to help. But you look at the training, which is all regulated and all monitored by the state and licenses are given out by the state. And it creates the monster that exists. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's just, you know, if you have a market, then we find out what works best and go that way. Uh, Whereas it's very rigid with the state and this is the way we do it. And this is how it's done. And that's it. So if the paper says you prescribe this for this that's what happens right i mean i, I don't want to oversimplify their job but we've all had experience at doctors offices i mean
0: <laughs> yeah and and for me it just means that i have to do a better job of finding doctors that, that right. i like better <laughs> yeah and I,
1: I think that would be an easier thing to do in a free market
0: oh absolutely and
1: I, uh, yeah um, cuz and you know when when my son had his uh, leg issue the doctors were great mm-hmm Uh, Oh, yeah.
0: It's and and part of it, too, is that there's just the market's been so ruined by the state that it becomes. I mean, like I said, that my normal physician, it would take me forever to be able to get an appointment with him because he's just so backed up. I would have to see a physician's assistant. Mm -hmm. I mean, the. The the government has messed up the market so much that demand is so high, but supply is so low that they can't. I mean and they would never be able to see all their, their patients yeah. if they, so it, it it's, that's where the, uh, you know, you could tie it, uh, back into that symptom. Uh, there's just no time. And right. so it's, right. uh, it, it just makes their job a thousand times worse. So, right. um, I guess I should be a little more, uh, patient, patient <laughs> as a patient.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, hey, it's your health. Right, right. The hell, I mean. Yep. uh,
0: But it's just the way it is. Yeah, so anyway, uh, let's uh, do our free market successor, unless you had something else that you wanted to. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, anything that we've, I think we touched everything we wanted to, and I don't want to go too deep into uh, the off the rail side things. Right. About how we can um, protect ourselves in a free society. Uh, but I think it would be much better done. Uh, the correct people would be bearing the risk for the hazards that they have. And uh, we'd be a lot safer.
0: Yeah. And remember, we're just two people talking off the tops of our heads about this. Yeah. Imagine
1: having 320 million or 7 billion or whatever the case. <laughs> we're thinking with, of
0: ways to be safe. Right. With real profit motives behind yeah. it. Though.
1: Yeah. Not just uh,
0: two geniuses sitting around talking. That's true. All right, so free market success story. This one's, you know, it, it happened this weekend. I was at, I was going food shopping Saturday morning. I wanted to uh, wanted something to to cook dinner Saturday night, so I didn't have yeah. much going on. So before you uh, get
1: into this, let me just say this is really, I like this one because this is kind of what we wanted to talk about when we started this uh, free market success story. It's like a common everyday thing that we see and don't think about, and just how. Really amazing it is. So sorry to cut you off, but I just I wanted to add that.
0: Yep. So I was uh, what I want I had a, a bottle of wine I had opened and it wasn't the greatest bottle in the world. So I wanted to use it to uh, braise, braise a, a, a cut of meat. And I was thinking about beef. So that'd be that'd be good. And uh, I'm going through the supermarket and I go into the meat section and the beef section and I see they have these uh, porterhouses porterhouse steak on sale for six dollars and 88 cents a pound uh for three dollar or basically three pound packs of it so basically three porterhouses and uh that immediately changed what i wanted to have for dinner that night (laughs) (laughs) because you normally don't find porterhouses uh at that price uh so i I took advantage of it, and I, I bought a pack and and enjoyed one for dinner that night. No. And uh, I, I, w- did they just decide that they uh, wanted to be really nice to Rallo and and offer, you know, have tw- twenty packs of of three pound porterhouse on sale? On sale? I mean, that had to be it, right? Possibly. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe it could have been... Like you,
1: maybe, um, I don't know. What other reasons do people lower prices? Because
0: I thought they just tried to raise them. Yeah. I mean, they could have had a, a an oversupply and wanted to get rid of them. Was it, it expiring without, soon? No, they were... Uh, the, the sell-by date is tomorrow. I bought these Saturday, and the sell-by date's tomorrow, so I'm having another one tomorrow nice. night for dinner, too. So Cool. Um, no, I mean... Yeah. Well, there's two and I'm going to (laughs) probably have to freeze one. So yeah. I I mean, it could have been that they were anticipating that they,
1: there may have been a big order that canceled. There could have been who knows. And so they have it on their hands and they have to get all, get rid of it or right. They want to clear it it to sell more. We had snow recently. Maybe they weren't prepared for that. And people don't shop when it snows. So they had extra, you know, who knows what the case is
0: Or maybe they decided to run a sale and I'm just not privy to, uh, the, the mail, the flyers that go out that say, Hey, we're having this big porterhouse sale. And, and that would be, I mean, if, if you're into beef and steak and you have the chance to get, uh, three pounds of, of porterhouse steaks for 20 bucks, you're going to go to the store. I mean, you're, you're going to go make a trip and you're probably not just going to walk in and buy them. You're going to, you're going to make a, a super, a normal super, supermarket trip out of it. Um, actually <laughs> I'm going to sound like a, a degenerate for this, but, uh, when I, uh, when I bought the porterhouse, I was like, yeah, you know, it would go great with this would be, you know, bourbon. And I, I didn't have any. So I stopped on the way home from the supermarket and bought. A bottle of bourbon, and then I was there and saw you know a bottle of gin. And I like gin, so I was also didn't have any gin, so I bought that. So I think that's what it was. I think it was actually that the uh the supermarket conspired with the uh the liquor store. Could have been. And uh knew that that bourbon goes very well with steak, and uh and did that and and you know mess with my brain a little bit. But either way, I mean I had I had a very nice dinner Saturday night <laughs> so I don't I don't care why they did it I'm just <laughs> happy that they did
1: yeah and then you could go the eye pencil route and think about what that steak took to make and you got it for six bucks
0: yeah I mean isn't it they just uh they just like they just find them in in uh, wrapped in plastic and in a foam yeah kind they of grow, grow on the steak tree. Yep, exactly. So, all right. Um, again, show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash uh, one thirty five. I will have some links to some of the, the relevant things that we've done uh, on this topic before. We'll also link to the, uh, Andrew, Andrew Yang kind of a uh, tweet storm that he did about this. That kind of triggered this conversation. So, uh, if you have any feedback, let us know and also uh, do us a favor and uh, leave some feedback or, or review or give us a star or rating on on any of the, the podcast catchers that that really helps us out. And we really appreciate it. And also be sure to check out liberty mugs dot com and uh, buy a mug or two and share it with your uh, friends and family and other libertarians. So once again, thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. Peace.